You're listening to Beyond You, exploring faith, culture, and higher education, a podcast from Oklahoma Wesleyan University. Well, welcome back to another episode of Beyond You. I'm Ben Rocks, and I am honored today to be joined by our president, Dr. Jim Don, and our university campus pastor, Tori Martin. Jim and Tori, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, Ben. So we'll talk about some things in higher education today and, and review some things from the podcast, but I'm curious just to get the ball rolling today, if each of you would just mind sharing what has been the value of the podcast for each of you? You both have been involved in hosting and, and dialoguing with various guests. So talk to us a little bit. Tori, we'll start with you. What's been the value of the podcast for you? Yeah, you know, I look at the look back at the podcast episodes that I was a part of and even the, the ones that you hosted, Ben. Jim, you as well, and this undertow of the calling uh, on people's lives and in a variety of domains that has just been so encouraging to me to be reminded that God can call people to any domain that he wishes. And it's really about this, uh, this posture of being faithful to that call and walking in obedience and just getting to have conversation with people that are doing that day in and day out has been just such a value add to my my own personal life. And I hope those listening as well. I could ditto that. And uh, I think there's this uh, notion of talking about real things, real life, and just speaking clarity in what's going on, even in tough topics and maybe even controversial topics, trying to declare biblical clarity and what kinds of things would bring value to people's lives. I love the fact that we can participate in that and um, look forward to even more conversations in the future that get us into real life topics that people need some um, biblical kinds of direction in, as well as just everyday life kinds of things that Christ and the Holy Spirit can lead us through. Um, But definitely echo Tori's words and this sense of uh, purpose and joy and calling that every guest that we've had, um, including ourselves, being able to express that and live that out in very practical ways. Um, We've had some tough topics already and uh, just thankful for the Lord's help in walking through those. And I'm sure there are more to come. Yeah, let me follow up with that just for a minute. Uh, When you think about the listeners, when you think about those who are tuning into the podcast, what value do you hope that they continue to find in subscribing and tuning into these conversations we're having? I think there's a lot of noise in culture today and so many distractions and so much information. And um, now we have this whole notion in culture of fake news, real news, right news, left news, and, you know, a lot of suspicion of what kinds of truth might be declared or so-called truth. And uh, that noise also picks up the pace of life, that it's coming at us quickly and just a barrage. You know, we, we we know the illustration perhaps where we just like a nice, cool drink of water and it's coming at us, blasting us like a fire hose and who's right, who's wrong um, and making us skeptics, frankly, all the time, it seems that maybe that's just me and trying to figure out, you know, what's the theory behind that and you know, if we can have real conversations from people that we trust, people that we walk in relationship with, that it's not just some kind of transactional thing, whether we're dealing with a student or we're dealing with an alumnus or somebody's just picking up the podcast. I, I've been surprised at how many people have mentioned to me in churches that I visit and other places, even in our community, saying, hey, I watch your podcast. I had no idea. And this particular episode meant a lot to me. And so... Um, being able to cut through the noise, I think, is something that's very important today. And I hope that uh, Beyond You can offer some assistance in being able to get to the bottom line, again, get into biblical sense, not just common sense. And um, I'm not seeking to drown out the noise. I don't think that's what we're trying to do. But could we offer some stable noise if, that, if, that, if there is such a thing? That would be a great goal. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I've talked to a few different people over the last few weeks who who have said something to the effect of, I feel like tuning into the podcast has helped me to get to know the university better, right? Not just 
um, the things that they may see on a website or in public, but the people here, right? The professors and, and the people who work here and, and alumni and people like that, where they feel like they've had a chance to get to know us as an institution, but which I, I think is really, really cool. Tori, anything you would add to that for you? You know, I one of the common like undertoes of this whole conversation in season one, um, I think this podcast, I hope people walk away with a sense of hope um, that no matter the the difficult conversations, no matter even the topic at hand or who's in the conversation, I hope people walk away with a genuine sense of hope. I think we mentioned it, uh, Jim, you and I, in the very first episode, we were talking about how Christ followers should be the most hope-filled people on mm -hmm. the earth. And, and I think that this podcast, uh, for me, it's given me a sense of hope, just hearing from so many different voices. And, and I hope others get to walk away with that sense of hope, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about the conversation today, Jim and Tori, and for those who are tuning in. And we'll talk some as we move along just on this growing polarization in society and how in some ways we're becoming more entrenched. And we'll pick uh, both of your brains on what's the role of the university, right? As we're kind of moving increasingly towards being more entrenched in some things and more polarized and more separated, how can higher education and schools like, uh, like Oklahoma Western University be a part of, of kind of moving things to a more holistic, more Christ-honoring position, right? So we'll get there in a little bit. But today, just to start, a special episode, because believe it or not, we're wrapping up season one. It's hard to believe we're almost done with season one, and we'll talk about season two towards the end of today. But we've had so many just incredible conversations the last several weeks and months. And so for you, um, Tori, let me just start with you. What what conversation, what one or two did you enjoy the most in facilitating um, and playing host? Which, which one or two did you enjoy the most? You know, my my heart has a special affinity for our Oakwoo students. And I want to give a shout out to Ethan Llewellyn. Uh, I so enjoyed my conversation with him and just hearing how God is, and, and just even a short amount of time, just completely changed his life. And he's heading in a direction that never before could he have fathomed. And when I think about really what we're trying to accomplish in this podcast and telling the story of Oklahoma Wesleyan through these different conversations, um, Ethan's conversation, the one that we shared and just, he, he literally got baptized last fall. <laughs> um, and so God has just been doing so much. It's been so encouraging um, and, and a good reminder of why we do what we do here at Oakwood. Yeah. That's not to say that the other conversations haven't been fun. I, I tell you, I went back and listened to, to all of them this week in preparation for our conversation. And I I didn't realize how much I learned also in my conversation with uh, John and Merritt from eSports. So like so many different conversations, uh, Sam Savat, what a gem. She's amazing. Um, it's, it's hard to pick just one um, as I go back and listen to all of these, but I'm going to give some, uh, some lean towards my conversation with Ethan, just hearing uh, how God has radically changed his life and he's wanting to now leverage his life to advance the kingdom of Jesus. I mean, how, how amazing is that? And the fact that we here at Oku get to be a part of that, man, I, I hope it never is lost on us that we get to play a part in that story. Yeah, Ben, I think if I could jump in here, uh, the role of the university is to help every person, including through our podcast, but also in our classrooms and our athletic teams and in our clubs and, you know, campus life is to be able to think and to be able to think critically, be able to think holistically. And that's a huge role that the university plays where there's so many uh, pieces of information, again, coming at us all at once, but also the dumbing down of people today and not being able to engage mm. in holistic thought and um, even realistic thought and, you know, being rational about things and uh, having both sides of the conversation at play. I, I think of the conversation with our professors, uh, a couple of them I led, and then there were others that uh, other hosted, uh, ho hosts that led conversation, you know, John Inzer and Brian Turner, and there will be others in the future. These guys are legit and they think deeply and they're able to communicate so well to our students and our alums appreciate them all the time. I was standing around at homecoming, which may not sound like it's a beyond you conversation, but it really is. Our alumni were sitting there on the, the on the uh, 
the retaining wall of the library and watching the, um, the, the boat races from the physics class or science class that Dr. Turner leads. And, and they couldn't spot Dr. Turner right away. And they're like, where's Dr. Turner? He ought to be out here. He's right over there. He's, he's, he's the guy over there making sure everybody doesn't drown like you didn't drown when you were a student here. And they were talking about cardboard versus Tyvek and styrofoam and the duct tape being so much better. And, you know, all these memories that came back and, and then, and then a pause, a pregnant pause. And this one alum looked at me and said, I learned so much from Dr. T and I'm not a scientist, but I learned about the integration of faith and into science and the biblical role that uh, plays into, you know, instructing science instead of science instructing the Bible. And it was an incredible conversation, a reminder of our, our professors. And then obviously, um, our alumni that are actually doing it and that are engaged and taking risks and putting their own life uh, on on the line and, you know, the different conversations with the Blakes and um, the obedience that they had to go into Russia and to, and to go into uh, Germany now and pastoring. And I tried to get him to speak in German on the podcast, but he he didn't want to do that. But anyway, um, the joy that they have, but also trying to engage with the fact that, you know, we talked about uh, Israel, we talked about Gaza, we talked about the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine. And, and one thing that really stuck out to me, here's one of our alums just processing with the people that he's lived with. And he just said, you know, there are innocent people all over the world that are in harm's way, sometimes because they're Christians, sometimes just because they're in the way of a tank or a war or a bullet or being taken hostage and man the heartfelt cry inside of that 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 we would continue to have workers that would put their lives on the line i uh, tori you're gonna have to help me with the name here but our alum out of tulsa that works with trafficking um leslie Klingham, yeah leslie yeah that that was a fascinating episode as well L listening to her the the just drastic effect of trafficking and abuse and um, the advocacy work that her ministry is leading in the state that it's approved by the state. You know, we have all these conversations that you can't be a Christian and work with the state. And that's just not true. And Leslie is a prime example of, first of all, obeying and really putting yourself in harm's way. When you think about you know, the 150 or 500 billion, it was an incredible amount of um, economic impact that trafficking has around the world and how many people are engaged in it. And sometimes we, we talked about, you know, is it here? Is it there? It's everywhere, including every town that somebody might be listening to this episode as well. Um, just this modern day slavery that she's trying to put a dent in one life at a time. And um, you can imagine that even though she may not have mentioned it, how many people won't like what she's doing. They're ruining, uh, she's ruining the economy and the revenue of some of these people that are just horrifically putting people into slavery, into harm's way. So I, I think about those kinds of things. These are not light little topics. These are not, you know, some kind of, yeah, I think I'll do that. These are people giving their lives, even you know, on the front lines, but also in the classroom and they're yielding themselves to the work of Christ in their lives and being obedient to that and trying to spread the gospel and the good news of Jesus everywhere they can. And, um, you know, ministry, I was just reminded in all of these uh, conversations, ministry isn't just A and B. We're, we're very grateful for A and B. So that would be pastor missionary. Ministry is A to Z. And we've featured a lot of people that are engaged in crucial, um, very fruitful ministries, faithful ministries that uh, aren't necessarily in a pulpit or perhaps even in a foreign field. They're carrying out the good news of Jesus right through their lives, through their vocations. And, you know, our coaches that have been uh, featured and will be featured, um, I, I'm just so grateful to be part of a community like that. Yeah, we talk so often, Jim, just at the university about being a university that sends people out, right? We talk about being one sent and how cool it is to be able to be a part of sharing the stories of 
from people there in Bartlesville on campus to Tulsa with Leslie to the Blakes overseas who are really um, embodying what it is to be an agent of Christ-centered transformation wherever they are. It's just really cool to see that. Uh, any surprises in the podcast? Anything that you learned, right? So, um, you know, one of the things for me, talking with Dr. Brian Turner, one of our science and math professors here, um, I already knew he was brilliant, right? Um, but but he could have done so much with his expertise, with a PhD in, in the theory of relativity. But one of the things that surprised me and just embodies Brian in such a way and embodies the value of education is he said, I could have done a lot with my degrees. I could have done so many things. But the question I ask myself and the, the question I ask my students is, where can I make the biggest difference? Not how much, like how much money can I make? What's the most amount of money or what's the title? But where can I make the biggest difference? And so hearing him say that was just, you know, kind of caught me off guard. So for the two of you, Tori, for you, any moments that were kind of serendipitous or surprised you in some of your conversations this semester? You know, it's it's hard to not look at the conversation with John Maxwell, which I didn't even have, but it's it's hard to not listen to John Maxwell and just be feverishly writing notes and just trying to consume and glean all you can. And and I just I, I reflect on that conversation listening to it and even in our reflection time together, um, in episode one, Jim, just this idea John John has a way of taking complicated things and making it really simple. Mm -hmm. And that I feel like that that's a spiritual gift in many ways. It is. But one of one of the things that I really appreciated about that conversation, um, he was talking about I, I think it was wisdom that his his dad gave him. And it's mm -hmm. this concept of valuing people, believing in people, and unconditionally loving people. Mm -hmm. And and I think that that. I don't know why that was like a light bulb moment for me, but that was like the trifecta of leadership right there. You can master those things. In many ways, it's a key that unlocks potential, not only in your own leadership, but in, in even those that you are leading and, and new leaders that you're raising up. And man, so many sweet moments from season one. But again, it's it's hard to not listen to John Maxwell and, and just glean something there that can totally change the way you think, live and lead. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't you know, like pass out interviewing him and you know, having a having a bro crush on him, just staring at him and and knowing that he's written eighty seven thousand million books and travels around the world, and here you are just sitting across from each other, and and I'm just grateful that I could ask a question without stuttering all the time, and um, you know, John, I don't even know if he did this on our podcast, but he had this rule that I try to follow. Um, it's something I think he said, he told me one time his dad has taught him, but anyway, it's the rule of 101. And essentially it's this, you could be talking to somebody and you could have a hundred things you disagree on, but you got to find one, just find one thing that you can agree on and then move from there. Instead of, you know, just getting all up in arms about the fact that you disagree on this, you disagree on that, he just calls it a rule of 101. What a great topic today to be able to implement. Like, I disagree with a lot of people, sometimes with the guy in the mirror, and there's nobody standing next to me, if you understand what I mean. And just find one thing. What is one thing we can agree on? And let's just start from there and build a relationship from there. And that's I think the other thing that stands out um, in all of our episodes, you know, we we have relationships with these folks, whether they're on Team Okwu or they're alums or they're just friends. Um, but but what a great opportunity to be reminded that we're not going through this life alone either, and that we can have conversations, even as nitty gritty as they might be at times, and come out on the other side, friends, and try to encourage each other. I'm hoping that's what the podcast does every time, as you mentioned earlier, about providing some hope and uh, realizing that you're not alone. I think there's so much isolation today where you just kind of wonder, especially in the sea of bad news, like, is there anything good out there? Is there anything, like, can I find one piece of good news out of a hundred other things that are going on? And, um, are there people that are like-minded? Are there people that are faithful to the gospel? If I, I've been encouraged in our episodes to be reminded that there are good, godly, faithful people out there doing the Lord's work. And um, we need to continue to, to do that and encourage people to do it. 
you know, a couple of things just along with that, Jim, I remember John Maxwell, who, who just has such a gift of communicating so profoundly, but so simply, you asked him a question and he said, one of the things that frustrates me about leadership culture today, he said, I feel leadership sad was the way that yeah. he, when he looked at the polarization, but he said, he followed up quickly, but what an opportunity, right? Yeah. And that hope that can enter the conversation of, it's easy to throw up our hands and say, well, you know, everything's, you know, a mess, yeah. but what an opportunity. And, and Dr. Inzer had a similar refrain, you know, he talked about working with students who, who just may not be aware of even what's the Old Testament and where's Job and, you know, but his response is, but what an opportunity, right? And I love that yeah. kind of intersection of challenge, yes, right? But hope, yes, right? And, and that's what I love about uh, these kinds of con conversation is, Challenges, yes, but how can we be agents of hope and transformation in the midst of that? Now, Tori, you were going to mention something. Go ahead. Well, and I think that that dovetails into the conversation you had with Leslie, Jim. I mean, when you look at a $150 billion industry, it can be really easy to be overwhelmed. And, yeah. um, and she even articulated sometimes it'd just be easier to throw in the towel and go to corporate America, make the money and be done. Yeah. But I, I love kind of what you two bounce back and forth and talking about um, – and not only understanding the obstacles, but having this spirit of resilience and being so certain of the call that God has placed on your life. Um, for, for Leslie and the work that she does, I mean, you all even talked about compassion fatigue. And yeah. it, how, how would you not have compassion fatigue in that kind of a work? And yeah, but I love what she, she articulated and, and continued to just be reminded of is, is this call that God has placed on my life. And it's this... I'm sure that I'm sure that I'm sure that this is what God has me doing. And that, that can overcome that leadership sadness, if you will, that can overcome any challenge that you face. Um, and just an encouraging word from Leslie on that regard, no doubt. Yeah. And we're also reminded, uh, I think Maxwell said it pretty well, everybody leads and everybody wants to be led. And so it doesn't matter what your title is. It doesn't matter what you think your strata is that you can lead where you're at. Could be in your home, could be at your school, could be in the classroom, could be in the hospital, could be in the, in the courtroom, could be, you know, running the garbage route. You, everybody's looking for leaders today and everybody, you know, the, the older I get, I start to sound like my father who said, ah, there's not enough leaders to go around. You know, I, I look around and wonder who's going to step up and, and um, we, we have leaders and we've listened to them on Beyond You in season one over and over and over again. They're leading in their domain. We're grateful for them. And yeah. it's something that, um, you know, I, I get asked quite a bit, how do you do your job? I got asked this week a couple of times by people, I would never want your job, which makes it sound like I probably shouldn't want my job either. But anyway, they look at the complexity of things. They look at you know, maybe outside influence and inside influence and, you know, all of the different pressures that might be in, and there are, but so is being a mom. And so is being a grandfather and, and so is the mayor and so is the pastor. And so is the, the administrative assistant at our university. Everybody's got pressure. I don't, I don't know why somebody thinks that somebody's got less or more. I guess it's because of, the different responsibilities maybe, or the, the conceived responsibilities that we have. But what cuts through it is when you can find optimistic grace. And we've heard a lot of that on episode one as well. And that is I'm called, I feel compelled to do this job. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability with God leading the way. And I'm hoping for great results here for the kingdom I'm not necessarily in this for me. We've talked to a lot of people in uh, Beyond You podcast episodes that really aren't in it for themselves. They're in it for something much, much greater for God and for others to benefit from. And that's really encouraging in the middle of all of our narcissistic, selfish, uh, kind of nihilistic society where it's all about me. I'll define my own truth. Um there's a lot of great examples that uh, God is just continually bringing up the conversation that we're serving him and his kingdom. And we're hoping it adds value to other people. Yeah, I love that. And let me just use that then as a springboard to kind of uh, a couple more questions, just more about leadership in general. So, so I mentioned this at the beginning of the session today, just 
I don't think anybody's surprised that our country is becoming more entrenched and, and more polarized. Right? And one of our goals here at Oklahoma Wesleyan is to provide a liberal arts, more of a holistic education, right? Where we teach um, the various subjects, right, that benefit society. Um, and it's not always just about becoming more entrenched in what we already believe, right? But, but one of the things that we talk about at Oklahoma Wesleyan a lot is pursuing truth. And yes, protecting truth is important, but we talk about the pursuit of truth here as well. So Jim, let me just ask you this, like in our gridlock society, where we're becoming more increasingly polarized and separated and entrenched, how can we resist that temptation to fall into a defensive posture, just a defensive mentality where we feel like we're just becoming more and more entrenched over them? How, how can we mitigate that? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if this is uh, something that's um, meaningful to everyone, but it's meaningful to me right now. And that is to think about accountability. So, so we've talked a little bit about responsibility today. Everybody has responsibility at whatever level that might be, but are you accountable? in your responsibility. And, and when somebody asks a question about what you're responsible for, it seems to me that a lot of people go into a blame mode, you know, or there's uh, what's called an attribution of error, meaning um, you can identify all the reasons of why something happened, but you never really own it yourself. And um, there could be some outside forces, you know, the pandemic would be one of them. Who, who, who knew what in the world to do with that? And now, we think we know all the answers on the backside of that, right? And I don't know that we'll ever know precisely how that started, what shutdowns caused what. And I mean, it's it's still a conversation that lingers out there and a very serious one. And it affected all of us, you know, and who's responsible for that? Who's accountable for that? And we think we've got all the answers and we have a lot of opinions. I do too. But when you come down to... Um, Thinking about accountability and leadership, I've been reading some on this very topic because I think positional power, for example, is very dangerous. And so just because you have the position, then you have the power, then are you doing things for your own good or for somebody else's good? I, I think there's polarization inside of responsibility, not just inside of culture. Okay. So when I look at it and I've been reading, there's three key factors that come out and that is um, one, no blame. Just stop blaming everything and everybody else because of what's happening. What, what is going on and can you get to the facts, right? I wish we could have the facts. I wish we didn't have fake news. I wish that, that we didn't have conspiracies. I wish we didn't have conspiracy theories. I, life was so much simpler when I was like four years old or five years old, like my grandson is today. But regardless, uh, I've got to sort through all this stuff and I need to stop blaming and that's for everybody. It's not just me. That's just rule number one. Rule number two is look in the mirror. Like what, what are you doing to remedy this or what did you do to cause it? What, what would you be willing to do to stop it or to change it or to reconcile it? Um, instead of everybody else needing to do something, what, what is it that you could do? What is it that I could do? Look in the mirror. And then the third thing would be to get to a solution, engineer a solution. Is it, these are common concepts and accountability. I've just been thinking a lot about that. You know, if everybody could engineer a solution for good, we'd have to define what good is, you understand? And what is it, is it good for the whole? Is it good for the person? Is it good for a certain group and not another group? Like all kinds of definition of good, but, and, and right solutions. But, but what if we really could get to the golden rule? and figure out what was good for our neighbor and instead of or in 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 congruence with in other words in combination with what's good for us why why does it just have to be good for one and not for the other and i'm not talking about some kind of socialistic gospel here i'm talking about the golden rule uh, to do unto others as they would do unto me instead of what i call the american golden rule is to do it to the other guy before they do it to you and so uh, what, what is it that we could get involved in and take ownership for what we are responsible for, what we can make a difference in, take that seriously, own that and get to a solution that's the, for the good of the whole, um, you know, looking out for our brothers and sisters, making sure that uh, we're continually keeping biblical ethics of what's right and what's wrong before us and leading with grace and truth, just like Jesus did. 
Before we get back to today's episode of Beyond You, we want to let you know about an opportunity to make an incredible impact. And it starts with a place on campus that's close to our hearts, Wesley Hall. Wesley Hall isn't just a building, it's a place of community. It's where generations of Oklahoma Wesleyan University students have formed lifelong friendships and found a home away from home. But we need your help to make it even better. We're launching a special fundraising campaign to renovate Wesley Hall and take it to the next level. Our goal is to create an even more welcoming, vibrant, and student-centric living environment that will enhance the college experience at Wesley Hall for years to come. What's more, every dollar you contribute before the end of the year will be doubled thanks to a generous matching gift provided by our donors. By investing in Wesley Hall, you're investing in the future of our students and the entire Oakwood community. Don't miss this chance to make a real difference in the lives of our students and our campus. Visit oakwoo.edu slash now to double your impact with a matching gift before the end of the year. Your generosity will be remembered for generations to come. Thank you for being a part of the Oklahoma Wesleyan University family and for helping us transform Wesley Hall into an even more extraordinary place for our students to learn, grow, and thrive. So I'm curious, you know, for, for either, either of you, where do you think this tendency towards blame shifting comes from? Why, why is it that we are so caught up in our, our default response being just to blame somebody else for what's in front of us? Where does that come from? That's an easy one, Tori. Uh, just go ahead and take it. <laughs> well, I mean, at the core of it, it, it's pride. But I tell you one thing, Jim, as you were talking, that came to my mind. I, I think in this conversation of blame shifting, especially in our society, we have forgotten that we are not each other's enemy. Um, yeah. and, and we see in scripture that our enemy, uh, the war that we are in is not with flesh and blood. Um, and so I think part of it is we've lost sight and not that we want to go out hunt, head hunting an enemy, but we all have forgotten that we have um, actually more in common than not. Um, and so in a society that um, is so polarizing, but also so quick to shift blame, I think part of it is, one, it's hard to look in the mirror, first of all. <laughs> like, it's hard to look in the mirror and take ownership. We, we live in a society that would do the opposite of encouraging that. Um, but I think the other part of it is, too, is that it's just so much easier to live in a contentious state uh, with one another rather than recognizing, hey, you're not my enemy. Like, <laughs> um, in fact, we have more in common than, than not. And so that's just kind of firing from the hip here. Uh, something that comes to mind is that I think we forget that our, our war is not with one another. Uh, but of a totally different realm, as Scripture would remind us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, it's easy in, to uh, justify our own. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jim. No, go right ahead. No, it's, it's 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 just so easy to justify our own behavior when we feel like we have a cause or we have a reason to blame somebody mm -hmm. else for yeah. something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we yeah. have to get to, to that. Yeah, I just think we have to get to the point that most things aren't worth it. You know, we're arguing and divided about things that are not going to matter in eternity. They're just not. And we're losing a gasket over it. Veins are popping out of our forehead over things that are not going to matter in heaven. They're, they're not going to be discussed there. They're not going to be a consequence there. And we're building walls big time over things that are just not going to last. And I think that we need to step back a little bit and say, is it worth it? That doesn't mean you can't have a difficult conversation. That doesn't mean that you don't deal with things and try to make things right here. That doesn't mean that there's no justice here. That That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that we have debated, especially over the last few years, over things. We've divided families. We've divided friendships. We've divided um, even people, you know, that are our neighbors, we've divided communities, we've divided our country over things that are not going to matter. They are not going to matter in heaven and we have lost it. And so if you're wondering who we are, it, it starts with me. And there's some things that, you know, I wanted to debate and argue about that just aren't going to matter. And I think we've got to get to that. I think, I think the other thing is uh, something I mentioned in our convocation at the beginning of our year at Oklahoma Wesleyan in chapel was uh, this focus on the daily me. I don't know where I picked up the phrase, but I read about it where it's all about me. And, um, 
you know, it'd be a good intro to a book today, you know, the purpose driven life. It is all about you. It is all about you. Jesus did die for you. He came for just you. And if it was just you, he would have done the same thing. But the daily me actually is this me monster that I'm the only one that's right. I'm the only one that knows the truth. I'm the only one that has, uh, you know, inspiration from God. Um, and it's dangerous to be in that and to be uh, truly humble and teachable and to listen to the other side. I, in many, many years of leadership, uh, younger years, I didn't listen to the other side. And now I try to find out what's, what's the other side got to say about this, whether I agree with it or not. Uh, being in a posture of listening instead of a posture of uh, throwing the first stone is um, sounds kind of like what Jesus taught us, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, I've, I've been reading this book by Edwin Friedman. He passed away several years ago, but he was a kind of a classic systems thinker. Yeah. And yeah. he wrote a famous book called Failure of Nerve, right? And, and yeah. what he does in the book is talk about these four things that he sees in what he calls chronically anxious systems. So a system could be a marriage, it could be a family, it could be a society or an organization, right? But he talks about these four things that he sees in what he calls chronically anxious systems. And, and the first one is reactivity, that we just react. Right? All we do is just react to the other side. Somebody else says something, we just react. Um, the, the second thing he says is, is we develop this herd mentality where we become kind of siloed and we become tribal and we start to kind of view the other as enemies, right? And the third thing he says is, Jim, you mentioned this, is we start to blame. And we start to see ourselves as victims and we just start blaming the other side, whoever that may be. And then the last one he says is we just develop this quick fix mentality, right? Where we just, we could have, we put a bandaid on things. We try to seek comfort over a long-term solution. So reactivity, this herd mentality, uh, blame shifting and blame displacement, and then quick fix mentality. So I'm curious for you, Jim, um, how do you see that framework manifesting itself in society or in culture today? How, where does this show up? What does this look like in society or culture today? Yeah, I uh, good for you for reading that book, by the way. That is not an easy read. It wasn't well put together, <laughs> but uh, good for you to get to the four four pieces that Friedman was trying to say. I read that book years ago, and and I remember thinking, um, how, how quick, uh, and, and I have some bias here about induction and deduction actually, and being objective and subjective and looking at truth and trying to get to definitions and trying to get to solutions. Um, even, even how men deal with that typically and how women might deal with that typically, which I know I'm on shaky ground here already by mentioning this, but there's a process of how we deal with information, how we make decisions and, I'll just go on record, Tori, I'll just go on record. Women make much better decisions than men do, but we can talk about that later. Then you're going to want to beat me up in the parking lot. But anyway, this is something that processing information and being in a posture of listening and realizing that there are uh, influences inside of an organization and outside of an organization that put pressure on a decision. Um, I, I will admit, I don't process well sometimes. I make decisions too quickly and have had to learn to listen more and um, get into, again, trying to understand what it is. I don't necessarily have to agree with what the other side is saying, but I should at least give the courtesy of listening to them and then figuring out if it's worth it and um, you know, still making, making difficult decisions that the other side doesn't like necessarily. I don't even like it that we talk about sides or I talk about sides, right? How are we gonna get through this together? What's the best way forward? Even if we disagree, can we still stay together? Can we argue about it in the room, in the office, in, in the classroom, in the cafeteria, in the dining hall, in the restaurant? Can we argue about it in the kitchen? But then when we go to the next room, can we stay friends just for the sake of friendship? We've lost that ability today. We have families that won't celebrate Thanksgiving and Christmas together because they've disagreed on non-eternal things. We have people that are drawing up lines. I overreact if I genuinely need to just confess today. There are some people that, and I'm not, I don't have a list. I don't have a name. I'm not Santa. I don't have a, a naughty list. Okay. But there are some people that just kind of drive me crazy. Uh, 
maybe you, okay, maybe just me. And, and I overreact with anything they say, or I overreact when the news reports that, you know, a certain president is doing a certain thing like, ah, there he goes again, you know, and, and, and it's, it's not necessarily a great trait, right? So it's kind of a quick fix on reaction, if you will. I quickly react based on the track record of this person. And I really need to separate some things if I can and um, figure out what the, what the eternal truth is here and what it is that we're dealing with, even for the good of the whole again, right? But this failure of nerve thing, because we have questions, because we maybe get beat up once in a while, because somebody might critique, because we might have division, um, it, it really does cause us to become too cautious or too risk averse of making the next decision as well. Right. So we lose our nerve. That's what the book's about. That's what you're talking about. And because of this onslaught of negativity, um, I don't want to be the person that makes the decision that everybody sits back in our culture and says, well, you know, what's wrong with that? Well, I've got several things wrong with that. And then you ask what the several things are and they're, they can't even get to number one. They're just against it. You know, it, I had a guy in the church that I pastored a long time ago. He would come into a board meeting. I'm not kidding you. And I, I, I tried to love this gentleman. Um, he was uh, somebody that was kind of a, a pillar of the church. He was rather old when I got to the church. He passed away soon after I started pastoring as a young pastor. I had nothing to do with his entrance into eternity, by the way, in case you're wondering. But every board meeting, he came in with this phrase, whatever it is. We didn't even, like it, back in the day, we didn't even cover the agenda beforehand. We didn't have a way to send it out. So they get the agenda. They get all of the things in the meeting. He came straight through the door of the Sunday school class we were meeting in and and just said, whatever it is, pastor, I'm again it. He couldn't even say against. I'm again it. I'm and he, he wasn't kidding. He was against everything and, and it didn't matter what we presented. And it was kind of a miserable way to exist. But I knew where his name was Raymond. I knew where Raymond stood on everything because he came through the door. And how many of us are going through life today? Whatever it is, I'm against it. I'm against it. I think that that should be the title of, uh, well, not the title of this episode, but we could ask, are you again it or not? <laughs> I've got memoirs. I've got memoirs ready to go. I just need a publisher. I'm going to start working on a t-shirt here on campus. When you, when you both yeah. get back to That's campus, right. we'll have t-shirts made to be able to pass out to That's students. Right. I'm again it. That's right. It's no longer a done deal. I'm again it. That's right. <laughs> Well, you know, that, that, let me just kind of speak to that for a minute. And, and Tori, can I ask you a question? Because one of the things that three of us have chatted about is it seems oftentimes for evangelicals or, or people who are not of faith, but the perception of Christ followers is, is we are these angry, vitriolic, and we're just against everything all the time. And we're just entrenched. And so th there's a fundamental relationship that you both hit on between agreement and understanding right? And the two of those had to get those confused. So Tori, for you, talk to us a little bit, like, what is the relationship between agreement and understanding? And, and for either of you, why is it that you think we're so afraid to pursue understanding, right? Why is it, even if we may not agree, but Jim, you mentioned to at least, at least to listen to the other side, why are we so afraid to just seek understanding? So Tori, we'll start with you. And then Jim, would love to hear from you as well. Then you, what you just ended with there actually is what I was going to answer. I, I don't think we know how to listen. Honestly, I, I think that that's really the the root of this. I wouldn't say that it, I mean, for some maybe that there's this propensity to not want to agree or understand. I think it's genuinely as a society, we don't know how to listen to each other. It's always about thinking, what am I going to say next before even someone even stops talking? Um, I'm guilty of that uh, in my own life and leadership. But I, I think when we drill down to the root of it, it's, um, yeah, I think it's this inability to listen and, and not just uh, listen to regurgitate information back to the person. But I, I think it's listen with the intent to understand. And, and even the step before understanding might even be to have empathy for our fellow human being. Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes that, that can be the missing piece in this too, is that we just sometimes we think we understand people, but we haven't actually put ourselves on that side of the table. Um, 
you know, having now listened and heard to what they're saying and, and having compassion for where it is that they're coming from. Um, I see that in my own life. If I can just kind of hold the mirror up for, for a moment and just confess that. Um, and I wonder if others can relate to that too. I don't know. Do you guys, does that resonate with you at all? Um, what I'm saying in regards to that? hundred percent. I was trying to think about an answer while you were talking there and that wasn't really, uh, <laughs> see, it's applicable. That's right. <laughs> I, I think we're afraid. I think we're afraid to maybe, maybe somebody will see us talking with somebody else. Maybe it's in a physical conversation. Why were you meeting with them? And are you, are you, are you, are you being influenced by them? Do you, do you know that they believe this and, why, why did you take time to care for them? Don't you know that they made this decision? Um, could be a social media kind of thing. I, I got asked not too long ago, um, the person that I was greeting in social media had really messed up and had lost their family, lost their ministry. And um, I wish them happy birthday in social media. And I got a question from another friend that said, why would you wish somebody like that a happy birthday? Don't you know what they did? And I, I answered back and I said, because they had a birthday. That's why. Right? I didn't say that I agreed with what they did. I didn't say that I was really happy about all the effects they had on, on their spouse and children. I, I, I didn't say anything about the fact that they their decision has ruined the ministry that they've been in. I, I, I didn't say it. They had a birthday. I mean, for crying out loud, this is a person made in the image of God, redeemable by his grace, accountable for what they did. But what about the fact that this is another human being that Jesus gave his life for? And for me to malign them, for me to even isolate them, for me to cut them off, um, in, in my opinion, even though I don't agree with them, even though I think what they did was terrible, in my opinion, for me to cut them off or leave them hanging in the wind. I don't, I don't know what all the images are that need to be said here, for, but, but for me to think that I'm better than they are in a moment of just trying to consider them as a human being, as a soul that has an eternal destiny, for me to chop that off is actually sin on my part because I just don't want to get my hands dirty. So I think, I think we're actually afraid that somehow, some way we're going to get typecast if we deal with sinners. And doesn't that sound familiar out of the new Testament? <laughs> well, yeah. And that's the it's, antithesis of grace, right? Like the, this whole optimistic grace that we even talked about in season one in a couple episodes, uh, Jim, Jim, I think you kind of hit the the nail on the head in that. It's that the grace of Jesus is made available to every person. Yeah. Every person that's made in the image of God, there is hope and there is grace made available to them through Jesus. And I think that that's what I love about uh, the theology of, of the tradition we we belong to here at Oklahoma Wesleyan is that we hold a high view of the, the optimistic grace of Jesus. And I know I've benefited from it, and I. I would imagine others in this conversation could say the same and, and how dare we not extend that to others. Right. I think it also picks up on, um, when we need to saying, I'm sorry, if I was wrong in the relationship, this is, this is not a transaction. This is not some exchange that we just do. And then when we walk away, this, this is not some kind of, some kind of neutral, um, you know, ground that we're in that we'll never see this person. I guess we could choose that if we never wanted to see him again, or they never wanted to see us. But, but what about the fact that saying, I'm sorry, asking for forgiveness, if I've hurt someone, isn't that the Lord's prayer? Isn't it in all the division that we have, uh, that we would, would pray the Lord's prayer, you know, forgive us our sin as we have sinned against other and forgive others who have sinned against us. Um, if, if, if I could get back on with, uh, Dr. Enzer and uh, go through the theology of the Lord's prayer, I think what's actually meant there, if I've studied it correctly is God, forgive me when I've hurt somebody and I don't even know it and forgive them when they've hurt me and they don't even know it. Help me to live a life of forgiveness and 
move on. That doesn't mean forgive and forget. That's not in the Bible. I just preached this last Sunday um, at a church in Indiana. That's that's not in the scriptures. Forgive and forget. Pretend like it never happened. Not in the Bible at all. But learn from it. There are consequences to it. And do I have a posture of forgiveness or not like Jesus? Did? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So so this whole conversation that's so important about leadership and agreement understanding, um, Jim, for you, you obviously as a leader of a higher ed institution, how, how can we bring this conversation into the space of higher ed? What does it look like to embody this um, as a university? Yeah, I love this question. And we talk about it a lot, but I don't think we give it quite enough credit. And it's one word, it's relationship. Right. So you've got the shape of the cross going here in Christian higher ed that we desire that lives are transformed by the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. That's the vertical, vertical line of the cross. And then that we're to be in relationship with each other. Right. Mm -hmm. So that means things like showing each other grace. That means like trying to get along with your roommate. That means being teachable in the classroom. That means getting along with faculty and staff and working through issues and trying to make sure that we're caring for each other. Are there going to be disagreements? 100% <laughs> all the time. But what are those disagreements for? If they are there to help us be better, awesome. If they are there because we want to strike up dividing lines, that's terrible, right? There are disagreements in scripture all the time. So instead of us just thinking that this is something that I can do uh, to somebody or for somebody, I really like the language that we do this with somebody, whether we're teaching them or learning from them or working with them or making decisions that affect them uh, to, for, or with. That's a whole nother, whole nother episode perhaps, but um, there is a posture in life. Do I do things to people? Even as a leader, do I do things for people, which actually robs them of their growth if I just fix it all for them or just hand it to them? Or do I do it with them? And I would really love to lead a life in wherever I'm at, whether it's at home with my wife or uh, celebrating a, a grandson's birthday this week uh, or others at work or in the community. I would really like to go through life with people and help each other, sharpen each other, uh, listening to each other, learning from each other, and growing together and becoming stronger, uh, even as a university at Oklahoma Wesleyan because of it. Yeah, and I love that, Jim. And just to add another layer to that, which I think you'd agree with, but doing things with people, even if we disagree with them. Right? Sure. There's something about higher education, too, that, that in the pursuit of truth, that it's okay to, to agree to disagree and yet still to have a relationship and to recognize that all people are created in the, in the image of God, right? And I, and I think one of the things that's so prevalent and we all look for enemies and once we label somebody as an enemy, there's no coming back, but what value there is in fostering an environment where we, um, we can agree to disagree on some things, we'll always stand for orthodoxy and the truth of Christ, and yet being, being able to walk as brothers and sisters, as people create the image of God, um, learning to grow together. Tori, anything you would add to that for you in your role? You know, I, I think that the, the beauty of the academy, if you will, the Christian higher education is that it's a safe space for students to kind of flesh this out in their own life, to try it, to, I, to your point, Ben, to have disagreements and learn what does it look like to deal with that in a healthy way, in a constructive way. Um, and I think that that when I look at my own experience and, and my undergraduate experience being on a college campus, you know, and we talk about at Oklahoma Wesleyan, it's, it's more than just getting a degree. Yes, you come to get a degree and we want you to finish and be successful. Um, but there's, there's this holistic um, approach that we take in teaching them how to be whole people, uh, teaching students what it means to, to live lives um, completely transformed by the, the grace truth. Uh, of Jesus. And I love the academy because it's a safe space where students have just left the nest in the comfort zone of the home that they grew up in for 18 or however many years when, whenever they come. And they're kind of out on their own, but yet not fully out on their own. And we have this unique opportunity, um, and especially in Christian higher ed, to help students learn what does it look like 
to be a whole person transformed completely by Jesus to go make a difference in the world. And I love it because it's a safe space to make mistakes, to fail, to try new things, to, to kind of shoot a a dart in the dark, if you will. Um, And what better place for a student to learn uh, than in an environment that's filled with not only truth, but also grace. And I think that that's where I see this all kind of intersecting, at least for my role at Oklahoma Wesleyan. Um, It's just a safe space for students to, to be whole people. Yeah. And in case Ben, somebody might say, well, that's just a soft approach. That's just, you know, too much grace and not enough truth. I, I was reminded of something uh, recently, and that is we should encourage in public and confront in private, mm-hmm. right? So, so let's be honest, Ben, you and I disagree on a couple of things once in a while, at least sports teams, something, sure. right? But it could be in the life of the university. You probably disagreed with some decisions I've made, and I don't even know it. And you've had to forgive me and move on. Tori, same thing. Right. We're co-workers. I've probably disagreed with you on a few things. And I've got a list on my phone, actually, that I can. No, I don't. Let's read it. Let's do public reading. No, I don't. No, it's not Christmas yet. We're not reading any lists. So I don't have that. But but here's the thing. What's what's worth confronting? What will you confront on and what just needs to be let go and making that decision before you divide a relationship? But our our culture today. You know, in the South, you say, we're going to give them the what for. I don't know. I don't know what the what for is, but it's apparently for something. Um, But that's the phrase that's used. And I'm going to I'm going to let them have it. You know, think about these phrases. I'm going to go in there and set them straight. And um, okay, you have all of the liberty to do that. I'm going to tell them off. Um, We're teaching our students, our young adults, our teenagers, even our children. Um, even a passive way of doing that. It's called social media. Yeah. I'm gonna gonna make a post, you know, I'm gonna tell the world all all of what's wrong. Um, we really need to concentrate again on first person relationships and yeah. um, dealing with it firsthand. What a great lesson for college students when I was a college student that the dean of students actually told me, he's like, you know what, you shouldn't tell the whole campus about that. You should tell the person that you've got a grievance with first and practicing Matthew 18, right? Instead of telling everybody else about it. Um, one of my one of my favorite pastor authors, whose name is escaping me because I'm old and whatever, but uh, he lives in Dallas and it'll come to me soon. But, but he even talks about the way we treat the world as Christians. And he says uh, this phrase, you need to stop talking about the world and start talking to it. Right? You've got all these differences and grievances with people of other faiths, other culture, other belief systems, whatever. Why are you talking about them all the time? Why aren't you trying to witness to them yeah. and witness the yeah. goodness of God to them? Yeah. Um, I love that. Love that phrase. And keeping things first person as much as possible would be really helpful. Yeah. 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 I, I love that. And I, and I love even you know me knowing some of the stories of, of how we're seeing the things that we're talking about play out on campus um I, I just have a couple more questions to kind of dovetail with that so so tori let me start with you um what are you noticing on campus this year how is it different um than maybe semesters before what, what are some areas of growth that you're seeing here at oklahoma wesley yeah you know i i mentioned this i think in the very first episode in season one Um, And even though it was recorded a while back, I think it still holds true. And so while this may not be like a new change, it's kind of the current of change that we are in. And it's this spiritual hunger that our students have desiring more. And I I need to confess in this that sometimes my my innate propensity would be to kind of let's let's make things I hesitate to use it, but like let's dumb it down and let's really water it down or whatever image you want to use um, to make it more understandable. But I think what we hear, even in John Enzer's episode, was that students actually crave the truth. And they want it and at 100%. Don't water it down. Don't dumb it down. Um, and I'm seeing that in our students, um, even from afar in this, this unique season that I'm in right now. Um, I'm seeing that. I'm sensing it. 
And what tells me that that's true and it's not just me going crazy is lives are being changed. I mean, this week alone in my inbox, I've had multiple conversations with students who we think don't like to email. Um, turns out they know how to at least. <laughs> but emailing me saying, Pastor Tori, I'm ready to be baptized. And, and that right there just tells me that students are hungering for more. Uh, we see this as kind of a generational trend with Gen Z. Um, they want more out of life. And, and I think part of what I love and what I'm seeing at Oakwood is when you, you, when you see their, their sails have been set and we catch it with the wind of heaven, y'all, what's going to stop that? I don't know. I don't think anything can stop that. And why would we want to stop that? And so that's what I'm seeing been super encouraging to me. And uh, here in a few weeks, we're going to baptize a lot of students. I have a feeling. Amen. That's good. I think How about for you, Jim, could, anything on campus yeah. that you're seeing that's encouraging you? Yeah, and it's actually a prayer prompt uh, for our audience today. And that is because we're taking spiritual ground, because we're depopulating hell, because we're taking ground away from the devil or the dirty dude himself, whatever you want to call him. Um, there's a lot of spiritual warfare going on as well. And souls are in the balance. And so how does it show up? could show up in different kinds of division that aren't going to last forever. Um, it could show up in the angst of culture that is out there that also influences our campus where um, people are just really fretting on how to get through life right now and how to afford things right now. And so it's an economic thing. Uh, it could be something that is a relationship thing, but there's, there's a lot of stuff that, is from the outside that affects anywhere, including our campus. And um, oddly enough, we've had several staff members, employees of the university go through some very trying physical things all of a sudden in this fall season and uh, some who have lost loved ones. And I know those are natural things that happen. I get it. I, I get it that our bodies are not um, necessarily improving with age, right? There, there's a centrifugal force that um, Dr. Turner could explain this much, much better than I can, but um, we deteriorate from day one. But here we are in the middle of uh, what Tori's talking about with lives being changed and transformed and heaven being populated, hell being depopulated and we really need to stay on our knees and pray for the protection of God. I would encourage our audience to do that as well. Pray for the university, yep. pray for our team members, our students. Um, souls are in the balance in some of these conversations. Lives are in the balance. We wanna try to keep everybody encouraged. Um, but whenever you take ground from the devil, you can expect a fight. The scriptures promise it, yeah. right? You can expect persecution. You can expect trials and tribulations and Things that are not necessarily flesh and blood, but principalities that mm -hmm. don't like it. And so uh, when those prayers are prayed, please uh, don't be generic in your prayer. Pray in the name of Jesus for whatever it is that you're facing today. Because at the very name, the mention of the name of Jesus, Satan has to go. And so that's why we pray in Jesus' name. And that's where the power is. And we need his power and protection. Yep. That's great. That's great. One last That'll question. preach. <laughs> I, I, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Jim, for you, what are you looking forward to? What, what um, spring and beyond, what is it right now that you are really looking forward to? And then Tori, for you, the same question. That's a great question. It's something that I need to spend more time on. Um, that's not because I don't have an answer. It's just, there's so many things that are, uh, you know, just the day-to-day -day grind that you deal with as uh, a person, as a leader, as a follower of Jesus, as a friend, as a family member, um, the position that I hold. Um, I'm really looking forward to more and more lives being changed. Uh, I was asked this year if I was running a university or a church. I took it as a compliment. I don't think they meant it as a compliment. Um, because they might've wanted me to run a university more than I am worried about souls. But again, this is that holistic approach. Yeah. You know, I, to kind of echo what Jim was saying, um, I'm not going to say he stole my answer, but kind of stole my answer on life change. You know, I, 
I'm excited to get to the spring and look back at fall and see how far we've come. See how many lives have been changed. See how many leaders we've raised up. See how many new students are coming to Oklahoma Wesleyan because they want to be transformed as a, a whole person to go influence the whole world. And I know that that sounds cliche, but I think one of the the things that makes believers different than anyone else in the world is that we have hope mm-hmm. that we can look to the future, knowing that it's better than where we are right now and where we are right now is better than where we've been. And that's, that's a gift of Jesus, <laughs> honestly. And, and so I know, again, it sounds so cliche to say like, I can't wait to get to where we're going to look back at where we are now. But I really, I mean that because I, I think, to, to Jim's point, if we are on our knees um, every day, praying to the Lord, praying in Jesus' name, um, and lives lives will be changed. Eternities will be changed. And if that's if that's the business we're in, sign me up. I I want to I want to get there as fast as we can. Yeah. What about for you, Ben? What are you looking forward to? You know, I, I think I just echo just to kind of bring the conversation full circle. I, I think the challenges are real. You know, and I think our society um, is facing some real challenges economically, spiritually, educationally. You could fill in the blank. But to come full circle back to John Maxwell and, and Dr. Inzer, um, the challenges are real, but so are the opportunities. Right. And, and I think um, looking forward to embracing the challenge, embracing the opportunities with the hope of Christ, um, solving problems. Right. And this ongoing work of transforming this next generation of leaders. Um, there is no greater work that I think um, we could be a part of than transforming this next generation of pastors, teachers, you know, um, educators and different people who are studying different things here. And that's what gives me great hope is um, and I'm looking forward to is just continuing to see these stories unfold. So. Um, so when closing up, we're going to finish up here. Um, if, if you're listening today, if you don't mind just leaving a comment for the kinds of topics they want to hear about season two, we'll start those episodes um, here before too long. So we'll wrap up for today. Jim and Tori, thank you so much for taking time to be with us. Um, I know we'll have information about season two and you both will be um, a part of that as well. So um, for today, we'll wrap up and thanks for your time. We'll see you next season. Thanks, Ben. Catch you then. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Beyond You. Let us know what kinds of conversations you'd like to hear by leaving a comment.